I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hello and welcome to the Gallant Few Rangers podcast. My name's Carl McDuff and I'll be your host as always. First of all, a very happy new year to all of our listeners um, in the UK and afar. For the first part of the 2022, we've got a, a special treat for you. Not one, but two new additions to the Gallant Few ranking file. Um, joining us, first of all, Steve, how are you doing? Not bad, thanks very much for having me on. Happy New Year to everybody. Yep, and it was a happy new year for you. You're here, um, stuck in a house for, for 10 days, I hear. Uh, yep, today was first day of freedom, so I've had the boys up the park having a kickabout, so I enjoyed the fresh air. Happy days, happy days. So first of all, Steve, um, tell the listeners a wee bit about yourself and your, your love for Rangers, I suppose. Yep, so you can probably tell by the accent, uh, no Glasgow native, but um, got the love of Rangers for my dad. Um, so now me and my wee... Boy, he's eight. We've uh, got season tickets in the family section, so we got up to just about every game. Um, I had a, quite a few years working abroad, so I did kind of lapse with the season tickets for maybe 10 years, but um, obviously having two wee boys now and getting them to as many games as possible um, has got me right back into it. So, yeah. Good. And how do the how do the boys uh, like being right in front of the, the, or right behind the Union Bears? Are they burning your ears off yet? Aye, so um, the, the, it's really the oldest one that goes to the games. We when they first started going, they were too loud, and they kind of put them off a wee bit by a bit of stud game. I think he was what to jump the jump into the middle of them and get right involved. So he was so. Uh, so even if it's not a very good game, now at least he gets a bit of entertainment with them. So I loves them. A wee bit of people watching can't be a bit of that. And. Making up the trail for tonight, joining us all the way from the the mainland continent. Davy Tomlinson. Davy, thanks for joining. Okay, thanks for having me on and uh, Happy New Year to everybody. Hope you have a healthy, uh, wealthy, happy New Year. Um, no, my name's David Tomlinson. I come from Germany. Uh, I've stayed in Germany about eight years. I stayed in Holland for about 35 years before that. Um, I've been a Rangers supporter all my life. I've given through my dad. He's a uh, the whole family were, were Rangers daft. And the only cousin I've got, my two cousins, they still go to every game. Um, yeah, as I say, the, the family birthday was for us a sash bash nearly every, nearly every time. So that's that's the way I was brought up. Obviously, now in Germany, I, I, I'm on, just got Rangers TV to, to get the, the games. Uh, yeah, then all that time spent in Holland, um, it's maybe you can be a, a Dutch correspondent for no doubt the the dozens of young Dutch prospects we are going to be linked with, linked with over the next three weeks. Yeah, yeah, well, I've seen Somerville or something like that, um, Crescendo Somerville, 
And then there was one, another one that, that was supposed to be coming from Paris Saint Germain's Simons or Simons or whatever you, way you want to pronounce it. Um, but that's a, oh, I, I don't mind doing that. I had a look today and over the the Fairman uh, transfer. I used to call him Fairman, but I get a wee bit annoyed about that because it's a, the, the way the Dutch pronounce it is Fairman. <laughs> Christ, that's the last thing. <laughs> that's the last thing I need. Any long-term listeners will know I don't need them to pull me up for my pronunciation. <laughs> it's just somebody to point and laugh. Um, but no, thanks very much for coming on, both of you. Um, Davey was uh, alluding to it there. There's plenty to be talking about, even though there isn't much football. Um, Steve, we'll start with you first. On the, the first news of the week, Nathan Parson signing for Everton. So um, if you believe the... Declan from Coat Bridge um, news outlet say he was signed for a pack of fags and a quencher cup but most most sources are reporting that it was a five and a half year deal um, 12 million going up to potentially 16 million with the add-ons and there will be a sell-on clause Rangers well, Rangers did confirm it that it was a, a record fee received for the club uh, so what's your, what's your thoughts on Nathan going out the door? Yeah, uh, first of all, I, I get my sort of transfer fees and that off the guy Fabrizio Romano on Twitter. He seems to be quite a good source and he was reporting it as the 12 million, 4 million add-ons and a percentage of the sell-on, so I think I'll take his word for it. Um, I think, Patterson, it's a great deal for everybody, to be honest. I, I don't think it really weakens the start in a living, um, obviously because he's not played that much, but it is sad to see him go. You know, he's 20-year-old, he's been at the club for 13 years or whatever. And I think it'll be it'll be crazy for him. Imagine the first day he goes into training at Everton and he's not playing football, anything to do with Rangers. But, I mean, he's brought that money in the door. I don't think we can really grudge him it. Um, I think we just we kind of have to accept where we are in the food chain of football at the minute. And the Premiership, you know, even young Rangers fans that grow up, if he's got the talent of Patterson, probably eventually you want to go. I think... If we'd maybe got two or three years of him in the first team, I think that would have been nice for the fans as well. But I certainly don't grudge him it. I loved his, I loved his statement that he made when he left. Thought it was classy. Um, I and I just wish him all the best, and I would, I'd love to see him back one day. To be honest, my absolute favourite part of the uh, statement, Davy. I don't know if you've seen it. Was the very end, P.S. What P? That's just it sums up the love he has for the club, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. One of the, I mean, one of the things, the unfortunate things, is we've been waiting for years to see a player coming through the ranks and coming into the first team, and all of a sudden we've got one. And yeah, he didn't get. He came in one position really that 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 he wasn't going to get a game. So that that was the unfortunate thing about it, and just like uh, Steve says, if we'd have got a couple of years out of him, watching them in the first team, then it would have been a lot nicer and probably easier. Although twelve million going on to sixteen million is quite easy to take, really, for a for a player, a young player. For a player who doesn't weaken the first eleven, that's it's madness when you say it like that, and it's you know it is sad to see him go because he's. You know, it's the most natural thing in the world for a football fan to to like to see homegrown fans coming through into the first team. It's just it's a fairy tale dream. But from a pragmatic point of view, he was the he was the backup fullback to James Tavernier, and 
I think with that kind of money, I, I, I think with, with the deal itself for me, um, it's, this should be the catalyst for what Rangers now want to accept in the transfer market going forward because it's been, we spoke over the last 10, 12 years that we have been low-balled just because of the position we've been in. But now we're, we've stuck to our guns, we've went and demanded the fee that we that we thought we were due and we've got it. Yeah. And you see, I think the big thing on that is we've got players that are worth that money now. Let's be honest, three, four, five years ago, we were paying players off when we were wanting them to go. With teams were not knocking their door down for them, and I'd say we've got just off top at least another three, four, or five that could go for exactly the same money, if no more. So, would we not have got that for Ian Black? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Well. <laughs> What a way to start off the year. Talk about Ian Black. <laughs> what a laugh. What a great year 2022 is going to be for the pod. But um, suppose that comes uh, uh, on to my next question then. So, David, we'll start with you. What do we do with all this money then? Um, is it a case of, and <laughs> the, the wee boy football fan of me obviously says, go spend 12 million on a player, but modern day football doesn't quite work like that. Obviously, we are in the, still in the pandemic. There's no guarantee that we're going to have fans back in the eyebrows over the next month. Um, there is a player trading model that we need to try and work towards, but h- how would you like to see this money invested? Is it for the long run or should we invest in January? Well, I think we, we might get investing some of it in, uh, in players, but I think uh, most of it will probably go towards the current uh, uh, board and, uh, and clearing their debt off. I think um, it looks like we're going to be having a few... Uh, loan players with the the chance to to make it a permanent lo- uh, buy at the end of the the loan period or during the loan period whatever it works out at but it seems to be that we're going that way. Thanks so Steve. Obviously, there's a, a on on the subject of loans. We're going to come on in in a couple of minutes because it's just been confirmed as we started recording. But do you have any thoughts on? the level of transfer we should be looking to do for the rest of the window? Yeah, um, I was having a look online the day, I mean, I think it's been uh, denied for the club, but I quite like the look of the guy, uh, Scott Olsen, somebody on the sort of right wing who's a bit of a goal threat, or even if they're not a goal threat, maybe somebody that's got the same attributes as sort of Ryan Kent. I think that's the only position, a right winger, looking at how Van Brockers has come in and played, I think that's the only position that I see, I don't want to say a weakness, because I do quite like Scott Wright, but I just think he's still got a wee bit of stepping up to do if he's got to be, you know, a sort of automatic pick like Kent is. So, and, and the, the valuation that they were putting on the guy, uh, Scott Wilson, was about five million. So I think that's about the, the level that I would expect us to reinvest. I don't think we need to reinvest any more than that, um, just because... Again, we don't know if this fan situation is going to go on and on. So if we reinvested £5 million, um, got the money for Gerard and the platform staff going, got the £12 million in the door, that leaves us sort of £10 million, you know? Um, and I think that would be, I think that would be fair enough. Some to invest. I think you're right, Steve. I think uh, that we will get one sale at that price. And I think it looks to me like the, the loan signings with the chance to buy 
it'll take us to the end of the season and then hopefully we'll be getting the Champions League money. Not hopefully, we will be getting the Champions League money and uh, then we'll have a lot more money to invest and then I think we'll jump into the higher league from the six million, seven millions with better players and you'll get, then you'll also get a better price to, to carry on and uh, six million hopefully will become 30 million players. It's a kind of positive yeah, I want to start this year on. You know, yeah, we've, oh, we've kicked bring... these black to fuck and brought a bit of Champions League money in. Now we're talking. I was, I was just going to say that. It makes, hopefully it makes up for the Ian Black comment. <laughs> yeah, so, we keep on talking about this loan signing. Um, Davey, James Sands, uh, it was confirmed a couple of minutes into this, uh, this call the three of us are on. He's signed for 18 months on a loan deal from New York City FC. So he's a 21-year-old American. So they go about six or seven caps for the USA. Um, central midfielder slash central defender. I think he can play about a both. Big bit of a boy for a 21-year-old. We were talking about him. He's he's obligatory YouTube video, which makes him look very decent. What's your thoughts on this signing? No, well, positive. For I've only seen him on YouTube. Um, I have been watching a few other videos of him, just talking, actually doing interviews. And he, he seems a very level-headed person. He's not um, big-headed or he's very level-headed. That he's, he's got where he is by hard work. Um, he's actually part of a twin. He's got a twin brother who's actually uh, going through college football. Uh, not professional, but college. And... Uh, as I was saying to you before the game, he was he went to the um, class of football with uh, Gio uh, Reina. I had to think his name there, and uh, so he's, they, they seem to have uh, good quality coming through there now. As Reina's went to Dortmund, as probably everybody knows, definitely a good pedigree to be getting converted um, and coming through that standard of football, and I think. Uh, for me, I'm, I'm still very, very biased when I hear the American League or the American um, footballers coming through. That it's, you know, it's it's like the third division <laughs> over here. There's that kind of level, but it's really no. There's a lot of money going in there, and there's a lot of development going into um, the the youth infrastructure. Um, and you know, I actually, it was this time last year we actually had one of the coaches on from uh, New York City. Um, Calum Sinclair, who was talking about just uh, how big the focus is on uh, young players coming through in any sport over there. So I think he's definitely got the right background. Um, Steve, I think last the last couple of weeks, a big concern that we've been talking about on the pod has been the centre-half situation. Um, Connor Wilson could potentially go at some point in this window. Hollander and Balligan both on and off by injury. Calvin Bass is doing dynamite, to be fair. Samson, uh, Simpson doesn't cut it for me. So with James Sands coming in, does, does this alleviate a wee bit of pressure? Yeah, um, so that was something that we look at him earlier on as well. I mean, I think it looks, you've got the confirmation there, Colin, but is it an 18-month loan deal? 18-month loan deal. Uh, uh, so, I mean, I, I like these. If they've got an option to buy at the end and there's a sort of agreed price, I think it's a no-risk. I mean, it, I can't imagine they'll be on much in the way of wages. 
So 21-year-old, I think, as he said, six or seven cats in USA. I think he's played about 60, 65 games for New York City. So that's a lot of first-team games for a 21-year-old. You know, a lot of our 21-year-olds haven't played anywhere near that kind of level. They were, sorry, that level. I mean, that amount of games. So I, I don't think there's a, a pressing need for them to come straight into the team. You know, we've, as you say, we've got Balogun and Hellander. Um, if he comes in and he, he plays half a dozen games between now and the end of the season or whatever, I think. I think I think what we need centre defence, and I know he splits opinion, but I think Goldson is the constant for us. I would actually make him whatever contract offer would make him sign it solid. I just think he's the guy we can rely on. He's, a, he's available for every game. Um, I know he has his kind of off games, but I just think when you play every game, you put yourself there to be shot at. Um, so I'd, I'd like to see uh, the guy Sand slot in next to Goldson at times, I think, and learn off him. The games I've seen uh, Sands playing, he, the, the New York seemed to play in a back three, and he was playing in the right side of, of the back three. So he's probably made for that uh, Goldson role, and I think he's probably going to take over that role eventually. And he's, the game I've seen, he really made some brilliant 60, 70 yard passes. So I, I think I think in the long run that's what Rangers are looking for that it'll be it'll be taken over from Golson. But I don't think it'll be this the before the the end of the season. I don't think Golson will be leaving in this uh, break. See um, anything that he's have seen him would he be covered at right back now that Parsons went or is it is it sort of central that he plays? No, well I think he was play, because he was playing the right side of of the back three. I, th- I think he'll, he'll, be, he'll be covering oh. that. I don't think Rangers... I think with Rangers having Balligan and now Sands, I don't think uh, Rangers will be moving into the transfer market for a, for a right-back. And I hope they're not. I think a right-winger. And possibly the one uh, position that we're now getting short of is uh, cover for Morelos. We've not really got cover for Morelos uh, up front, so I really think a, a striker is probably more necessary than a right-back. And you've also... Uh, got young Divine coming through. I don't. I don't know exactly how far he is, but it's a big, obviously a big step up from uh, the lower leagues to to the Rangers first team. But there seems to be quite a lot of uh, talk about him. Yeah, just before we go into um, the cover for Morelos or potential cover for Morelos, because I think it's a good point. Um, I was actually going to ask him about how do we see the the Rangers right back cover. Um, is this the right time for an Adam Devine to come in for, or maybe not to start, um, nowhere near like getting flung in a plain Celtic Parkhead, but at least uh, Devine and Leon King in training with a, a, a bit more learning off James Tavernier, very similar to what Nathan Parson did. Um, I think, well, we've got the luxury where Sands and Balogun could cover it right back if we needed that luxury coupled with the fact that James Tavernier is a modern day machine and he very rarely gets injured and he's always available. I think it'd be, uh, for me, I think it'd be a really good chance to to let these guys step up for six months training with the first team, get a bit of exposure. Well, part of the um, Sands interview that I saw, he, he, the way he was talking was that uh, when he was getting left out of the team, they took him away for about six months and they just done body work to get him built up for for bodily for the for the first team. And because he said that was a big thing. He said he, just for speed 
and his body size, he couldn't compete with the with the first team, the players in the first team. So they took him special away for six months and just built him up uh, bodily wise, and then uh, then he, he to put him back into the first team. And after that, it, once he could get up to speed with the with the top players and uh, he have the strength of the top players, then then he could just go. And as you get promoted, and now he's played a lot of games for them, and uh, even in the American team. Steve, I think that's something that Rangers have been really good at. To be fair, no, maybe not even just the young players, uh, but because you've definitely seen that uh, a difference in the likes of Nathan Patterson since he first broke into training to now. But even the players that come in, like Scott Wright, Yanis Hadji, Joe Arribo's built up. Um, is a is there an argument then that? You know, maybe a, a little bit of harnessing the professional body for the Lisa King and uh, Divine over the next six months. See, the only problem I think that players that have come in there's right back cover, even covers for Morelos and Goldson and that. Like your your Tav, uh, Goldson and Morelos, they're available ninety nine percent of the time. So I think getting somebody to come in, I think it'll have to be a youngster. I don't know, you know, players of a, a Kind of certain level that would come in, sort of three, four million or whatever, to cover it right back or to cover his striker. So, I think, I, I think it will be a youngster that steps up and hopefully we try and just kind of lead them into games um, as the season goes on. But I suppose it's the reason Patterson's away. You know, the likes of Tav, he just he just doesn't miss games, does he? I hope I've not jinxed no. him now. By the way. <laughs> I know it'd be the most Rangers thing ever for us to talk about how reliable he is and he's um, I'm not even going to say the words I'm not even, we've already spoken about Ian Black so I'm not going to say any more bad words moving on uh, Alfredo Morelos we were speaking about there so uh, Davey I'll kind of ask you your thoughts on the rumours and what we need to do for kind of cover up front Morelos he was linked in the English media with potentially Newcastle or Leicester. Don't really know how much turf there is in it. Um, can you see him going this window? And suppose, do we need to bring in a striker if or if he goes or not? Well, obviously if he goes, we would need to bring in somebody because I don't think we've got an actual striker for his position and the way he plays and the way Rangers have been playing for the last three or four years. Um, I would find it strange because uh, as far as I know, he's just bought a house. Uh, in Glasgow with his with, with his wife, um, he's, he's he's probably happier than he's ever been in the last four or five years. Uh, but he can speak Spanish now to to Gio. Uh, I think he really likes working with Mackay. From what I've heard, and there's a big they two are really enjoying each other's uh, working with each other. And yeah, I think uh, I, I think it would be really strange. Newcastle, yeah, they've got a lot of money now. They've got new owners, a lot of money. Are they, are they, are they going to come in for, for, for Morelos? I don't don't see him being their type of player, really. But, um, no, I don't, I don't know. It, obviously, money talks. If, if he can get Premier League money, uh, then he's obviously got to think about it. I mean, he, he can always sell a house again. That's no problem. But, um, no, I, 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 it would be a real shame. And I don't see Rangers letting him go. Uh, if, in this break, anyway, not maybe in the summer, but not now. I actually think this would be the worst time for him to go. There were certain times in the last couple of years that I thought it was, it was 
probably the right move in the right time. I thought the Lille bid, I think he would have went to that. But I mean, Roy Mackay, if you can't learn as a striker off him, he was a he was a top class striker back in the day. So he was, and uh, it'd be a sad day for me and my my son if Morelos goes. He was the first Rangers player that he wanted on the back of his shirt. So he can't do any wrong in this household. So he can't. So um, so glad to see him looking a bit trimmer and starting to score the goals again under uh, Geo. But uh, I wouldn't like him to go. Um, and I don't actually think there will be that much interest in him uh, just at the minute because it's, I think it's only the last sort of maybe four or five games that he's he started looking like the old Alfie again. There was times at the start of the season that even my, uh, my sort of positive, positivity towards him was waning a wee bit. Um, but uh, I think he's been great the last few games and I think he'd be a really, really hard player to, to replace in the current form. Last week I did speak about how much of an, enig- an enigma he can be because when he's off it, he's fucking miles away. Davies closer to Ibrox and Morelos is when he's off it, um, but when he's on it, he's you know he's unplayable. But I find the fact that he, he can, he does have that certain aspect of unreliability that probably that probably favours Rangers in terms of people coming in for him. Yeah, the thing is about, I mean, if he did want away, which I don't think he would, he does now. But if he did want away, you you you've seen the last uh, project two years ago when he just sort of chucked it and then hardly played uh, after Christmas. We were at well, the top of the league at Christmas, and he just seemed to put down tools then. And we've seen with Edward last year uh, how he chucked it and. Thankfully, chucked it. <laughs> but um, it, it just seems so. You you can't keep keep a player that that doesn't want to be there. That's the thing, because it just upsets the whole dressing room. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. I think, uh, I think the body language that you've seen film the last sort of five or six weeks suggest that he's kind of going the other way this time. I don't think he had a great start to the season, but hopefully we're going to get his uh, 30 goals in the second half of the season, which I think is more than capable of. The, the way he's going now and the way the team are playing, starting to find their, their killer instinct, then again, I don't want to, I don't want to jinx too much in uh, the first part of the year, but I'd, I wouldn't put it past him again near that, that tally. I- I think that one of the things is as well, I think um, Gio is a far better man-manager than Gerard was. Um, I, I, in fact, I think most of the coaching was, was done by the, by the backroom staff and not Gerard himself. So I think uh, and I, I think Gio's one of these trainers that goes and he puts a hand about around your neck and uh, and, and talks to you. And uh, he's, he's strict when he's got to be strict, but I think he's... he's, he's I got a calming sort of a hold over players, so I think I think that's part of the the thing that that's bringing it. It's not just him; all the players are seem to be loving it. It's just now. Is that the sort of um, reputation he has in Holland? What 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 do Dutch people think of him as a coach? Gio. 
No, but positive. Very positive. He obviously won for Feyenoord. He, he won the cup, uh, uh, the league, sorry, for, uh, for the first time in 17 years, I think it was. And no, he, he, he was really brilliant then. He, he, he got a lot out of Feyenoord. I mean, Ajax were the better team that, that year, but he still managed to win the league. Um, he, he also won the, a cup after that, I believe. And from memory, this is all from memory. I've not, I've not studied all this. Um, and the one thing that I'd, I really, I, I seen him, I'm, I'm going to be honest with you, I, I wasn't that keen on him coming when I first heard about it. Um, because I remember him the year that they lost, just looking so sad along this, the, the, the line when Feyenoord were losing a lot of games that they shouldn't have been losing and he just didn't look to have control over it. But um, I think he's uh, obviously went to China as well. Um, I don't think he had a great time there, but I mean, that, that, that's a totally different world you're going into. So I, I can, can quite believe that, that a coach doesn't sort of a click in there. But um, no, he's very, very positive uh, in Holland, especially from, especially from the Feyenoord uh, side. And he did spend a bit of time with the City Group as well, which I imagine may have helped this deal come about for James Sands. Um, so, you know, I think he, there's definitely, you know, for an outsider looking in, I suppose, um, there's definitely the the pedigree and the, the skill there um, based on his time at Feyenoord, but he's made an effort to go and try and develop. He's his coaching and managerial skills, which I'm all for if it pays off this season. Yeah, I was just I was just thinking there when you mentioned James Sands. I thought if he scores a goal, a great song would be him to be sex on the beach. <laughs> <laughs> as long as they don't play him as a striker, uh, there'll be a, uh, a few comments about that. Um, uh, but before we get shut down, let's move on. Um, so I suppose. Uh, the only other news coming out uh, this week um, has been about a few loan players. So, Steve, um, we've it was actually it was actually David that sent over my um, list uh, all the players, all the kind of first team or well known, well known youth players who are out in loan now. And there's quite a quite a few of them. Um, two I'm going to talk about first of all, Kai Kennedy. He's been recalled from Dunfermline. And rumours are that he may be looking, he we may be looking to potentially loan him out to Kilmarnock, or Kilmarnock are at least interested. Josh McPake as well, he's been recalled for his Morecambe loan, and he's now at Sandmill Rovers. So I'm kind of going to ask you about those two and the and the one because it's two names we've heard a lot about over the last two or three years. Um, but it's been loan after loan, and I think the club definitely see that there's talent there, but it's not quite clicked yet. Yeah, that would be my sort of taking it. I mean, eventually they are going to have to take a loan spell by the scruff of the neck and sort of be a standout at one of these teams if if they've got any hope of coming back to us. I mean, Stephen Kelly had a good season last year with Ross County at a higher level than uh, Kai and uh, Josh are currently on loan at. And he's come back and, you know, he got in squads at the start of the season, has been on the bench. But that that's just the step up in level. If, if, if you're not absolutely bossing it in one of these loans then I don't think you're going to come back and force your way at the first team scored The unfortunate thing about Kai Kennedy, I don't think he's been brought back because Rangers are wanting him in the first team, I think he's been brought back because the Dunfermline are not really that, giving him a chance I don't think he's had that many starts from for the Dunfermline, especially the last time 
But um, no, I think uh, I, I, I don't think he's been. But he'll either get put out on loan again, or I think Rangers might try and get rid of him permanently. Um, for the the one that, that stood out to me is because we probably might need them in the in the future is uh, Lewis Mayo at the uh, Partick Thistle. Um, he's obviously a centre back, which is a position which we're sort of are struggling for just now. Um, he gets great write-ups from from Partick Thistle managers, supporters, and I've seen him playing a few games on a, a Friday night. They've got they've got Partick Thistle on sometimes, and he really looks quite strong. So I, I really think that's possibly one that we could think of moving back for cover. I don't see Cattage coming back anytime soon. Um, and I don't uh, even after the summer. I, I, I mean, I love Cattage. I always thought he was better than any of our centre halves, but um, I don't think he's technically good enough for for Gio to to like him. Yeah, I seen the uh, Leon King uh, signed a new contract today to twenty twenty four, and he's actually been added to the first team squad. So I think there's probably your answer of the young centre half that's next in line to sort of get his chance. Um, I've not seen much of Lewis Mayo, but I think he had quite a good loan last year. Was it on Fairland he was at last year? On Fairland, it was. Uh, and I think he'd done pretty well. And he, he hooked, uh, but I, I think, to be honest, Leon King's got to be the, the young centre-half that steps up and puts a bit of pressure on the first team. Yeah, well, one of the, actually, the last while, um, Kyle McClelland, has actually jumped in front of uh, Leon King, but that's that's because um, in February McClelland is twenty, and in January the fourteenth, I think, as Leon King just becomes eighteen. So there's a, there's two years difference in in age, and at that age, two years is a is a big difference. And just what I was saying in body strength and uh, and speed, that's just at the age you need to start bringing that on. So whether King is ready for a first team start, I doubt it at the moment, but I don't know. I'm not I'm not that up in the, the B team yet. Just when you're talking about Kyle Cleland there, I take uh, a lad's football team as well. So we were playing against a team, um, I'm not going to say the team's name, but the coach was telling me he stays a couple of doors down for uh, Kyle he says when his wee boy that's eight goes out and has a kick about in the grass, Kyle Cleland goes out and plays with him, so he does. But that was a good wee story. Just shows he that he still loves football. Eh? Goes and has a kick about real wee eight year old. I love hearing stuff like that because it, it shows a, a humble side of um, a young player coming through, and you see that much nonsense about players coming through and they don't have the right mentality as what players come through twenty years ago. And I know that's it's heartwarming hearing stuff like that, isn't it? Uh, yep. In terms of like Kyle Twelling or like Leon King, just echoing back to what we said earlier, I think this is these next six months where we do have a, a stable first team um, for the most part. There may be bigger changes in the summer just because of the new manager regime. I think I don't, I can't. For in terms of ins and outs, I don't see there being wholesale changes in January just because it's um, it's a it was a settled squad when. Jail took over, just they needed form. So I think this is the, the ideal time to start bleeding in young players, getting in around the first team, potentially get game time where need be. But right now, in a winning, learning off a winning team is a better environment for players to get to grips with the first team 
as opposed to being put in um, under pressure. He's probably a terrible example because they might never have been making it um, at a Rangers level anyway. But I always think about Miles Bearman. He's playing in the Moulton third league or something now. He probably would have went and had a decent career if he wasn't falling in the deep end. Yeah. I think I, I think King he'll certainly be, be training with Rangers and probably maybe get the the last place on the on the bench. Although I, I, I was hoping that we would move back to five uh, substitutes instead of three. Now that now that we won't get three substitutes again, then these players are going to miss out and getting some game time. But um, no, I just, I, I've heard of King for a long time. Uh, he's been he's been sort of a Brought on as a top talent, uh, so together with Gilmore. But I mean, Glenn Middleton was brought through as a top talent as well, and it fell away at the end up. So that, well, he's not falling away yet, but he doesn't look like he's going to make it. So hopefully, but I think King is in a different class. So yeah, I mean, the last few days I was quite shocked when the news came through the day that he'd signed the contract because um, on the forums in the last few days it looked like. He was potentially away to somebody in England or abroad, so um, I don't know what what sort of changed his mind, whether it has been the change of manager, maybe he's promised him a wee bit more chance of you know, playing him with the first team or whatever, but uh, I thought it seemed to come as a bit of a shock. I don't know if Hughes had heard any different. No, I thought it came out of the boy as well, and I don't know, you can only speculate that this might have been in the, in the fire for the last few weeks or whatever, but I don't know, there's maybe something to say that the news of Nathan Patterson breaking into the first team, getting that chance. Um, I know it wasn't necessarily under Geo, but it's under this new football structure where there's a pathway for the youngsters to go in and get a game. You know, maybe maybe the likes of your Leon Kings are... I, I think there's definitely, if a young player has belief in their ability, they... There should be they should be able to see a realistic chance of breaking any first team at Rangers now because Nathan Parsons just done it and went on for big money. Yeah, definitely. Um, I, I think that's a, a good point. I think that Nathan Parsons, other players will have seen Nathan Parsons and uh, they'll they'll be looking to, to follow the same route. Although I hope they don't all jump away before uh, before we get to see them in the first team for a few years. <laughs> I don't. No. The last one player, um, just want to come to before we, we start wrapping up. Cedric Etten. Um, David, I don't know if, if you're maybe better to start us off. I want both your opinions on him, but since you're a bit closer to the big man, he's obviously on loan in Gruthafirth. Sorry if I butchered that pronunciation there. Um, when we were talking about potential reinforcements for Morelos because we've only really got Morelos and Rufus natural number nines if Sakala's going to be going out wide right um, under Gio. Is this somebody that has a future? Yeah, Cedric, and I, I quite liked him when he came in to be honest but I think it kind of goes back to the bit of the conundrum that Patterson had with Tav. I just, as I said earlier on, I think Morelos is just available for pretty much 95% of games and it's no easy for somebody to come in um, as a backup striker, Morelos maybe suspended or whatever rested for a game. And if you don't do it in your first game at Rangers, you're you know you're you're under pressure straight you're away. Yes, died. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, you see, if Morelos wasn't here and Roof was our number one striker, I think it would be easier to be the backup striker because you know you're going to get games and you prepare yourself. You know you're probably going to get 15 games a season because Roof 
isn't available all the time, but I think it must be quite disheartening, to be honest, sometimes if you're playing number two to Morelos or Tav or Goldson or whatever. Um, but I, I quite liked it, and so I did. Um, did he, don't think he always came across as the most natural goal scorer. Um, but again, did we see him for six or seven games or running the team? I don't think we did, but... He certainly scored some some vital goals for us, uh, especially in Europe, I think. Uh, and yeah, I like sometimes to have a big striker up there that, that can sort of uh, put yourself about, although Morelos can do that. But he's obviously not, although Morelos out jumps a lot of players a lot bigger than him. But um, I, I quite like a big big striker up front uh, that, that can put yourself about and uh, score a lot of goals, hopefully. Um uh, does that, but I don't think uh, Roof is to me, yeah, I don't think he's a main striker. I might like Roof as a number 10, but I don't really think, playing about a striker, but I don't think he's a, a himself a, a real striker. So uh, if to bring Itten back for, uh, for some games where you're looking for that type of player to put yourself about. And you could even put him up with Morelos as well and let Morelos play about him. So that that would be another option. It, it's whether that yeah, I actually thought that he had a place in the team around about the team uh, to bring him on when we needed uh, a bit of fight up front because he certainly offered that. And uh, But um, I doubt he will come back, to be honest. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't think he'll come back either. But I was quite shocked when he went on loan in the summer. I, I thought, um, I thought he was quite happy with his role. I thought maybe a year at Rangers. You know, he's pretty young. I thought maybe the first year would have bedded him in. Um, but I don't think it bode it sort of bode well from once we did let him go on loan. I'd be kind of surprised if we see him back. Um, and maybe Roy Mackay's got a, a young striker somewhere that he's he's got his eye on and um, could bring them in as a backup. This is uh, the good thing about having a new foreign coaching team. You just, like, it's only natural to start thinking, right, they must know the up and coming prospects in Holland or on on the continent or whatever. And it's exciting. But on the on the subject, uh, I, I think I do agree with both of you. I, I don't see him coming back in January. Um, and I, I think the, the loan deal was structured that there was an option to buy at the end of it. Um, for me, it's a shame because he just didn't get that run of games, as you said, Steve. And I think he'd, he'd, he'd done a fair shift when he, he came on, but he was always coming on for the last 15 minutes wide, right? And there's only so much he could do, but I think um, that's just one of those things. That's with football. The unfortunate thing is, I think that his the, the team just now, that's the way it's happening as well. He's only getting about the last 15 minutes of sitting in the bench most of the game. So whether Rangers will bring him back to get him out of that, I don't know. But uh, he's not getting a lot of game time with his team in uh, Switzerland, is it? Is that? Uh, Germany. Is it Germany? Okay, Aye. sorry. You see, see when you say as well, like coming on for the last 15 minutes and playing sort of wide, right? So we signed him as a backup striker. We judge him as a backup striker. He's not actually even played as a backup striker, you know what I mean? So you think like, all right, he's played... 12 games as a sub or something, he's only scored, and I know he scored goals against Mullermark, but say like he scored four goals and you think, oh, that's not a great return for a backup striker. But if you're playing him wide right, you know, you're playing him out of position and only giving him 15 minutes, but judging him on his goals. So I've probably 
don't think he's maybe quite at the standard, but I don't think he's had a, a, a great crack, you know, a sort of fair crack of the whip, to be honest. Um, and I actually thought, was it, did he play up front on his own in the away game against Malmo this year? There was a, I thought there was a European game that he, that he that played. Lech Poznan last season, and he scored. Was it? Aye, because I thought that there was a there was a European game that he started up front in his own. I thought he played pretty well, so I did. Um, and then we never really seen him again, but, oh well, it was just a year out. Eh? <laughs> <laughs> there we go. Uh, during this pandemic, all the fat bar rolls on they, and they won. Um, so, well, no longer on the wrap-up, but before we do, it would be uh, the misses to not chat through the the BBC documentary, Steve, um, on Walter Smith, um, Walter Smith, a life in football. Um, you got a chance to watch that, I hear? Yeah, I watched it um, Watched it last night. I was actually working when it was on, so um, I thought it was pretty well done, to be honest. I think you could have made it probably five times as long as it was on for an hour. I honestly think you could have made it five hours. And I think the bits I actually probably enjoyed the most were the bits about Everton, because obviously we know the Rangers stuff. But it was nice to see him, you know, at a different club, um, seeing how the fans kind of want him. And, he, you know, it, it wasn't a great time at Everton. Even Bill Kenwright, our chairman, was on saying that, you know, he, he came in and he made a couple of good signings and then at the Christmas players were getting sold underneath his feet and everything like that. Um, but he just said he was a great guy to deal with. Um, and I was lucky enough, I, I met him twice, I met him. Um, after the League Cup final that we beat Celtic a couple of years ago, but it was hospitality that game and then come out the hospitality and Walter Smith was standing at the top of the marble staircase. So the wee chat to him and says to him, you know, basically how did you think it was today and all that? And he sort of pointed across at Gerard's office and was like, If we stick with him, we'll we'll win the league sooner rather than later. So he was right at that. Um next time I met him was actually my wee boy's first game. Um, it was just friendly I can't remember it was Wigan or Oxford it was Gerard's first summer and I took him up we were, we were in the shop getting him a strip and that and we walked to the front of Ibrox and Walter Smith's crossing the road so I stopped and I says oh Walter then don't suppose we could get a photo with the wee man he was like ah, I know where he's son so he stopped there took his photo still the best photo I've got don't tell my missus that but my favourite photo that I've got on my phone uh, screensaver the works just love it so my two my two heroes um, so I, I just thought I will say hats off to the BBC. I thought it was pretty well done. Um, aye, it was a good watch. Davey, I know you don't get BBC over your neck of the woods, but um, I'm, I'm guessing you could surmise what uh, came off the back of this, um, this kind of one-hour special. It was very well put together. Fitting tributes for the likes of Graham Soonis and stuff as well. Um, it was a really good watch. And I think it's just a market the man rather than the football manager just how great a man he was first and foremost well that I mean that's it that puts it in a nutshell doesn't it he was just a great person there's I've, I haven't heard any person have negative feelings about him and negative talk about him everything's just been positive and I think I think if the BBC made a, a documentary that, that was going to put negative things in about it which which is impossible to do then they would just be shooting themselves in the foot so uh, that was the thing. Um, you know, sometimes you meet people like players and whatever, and you can tell they've not got time for you. You know what I mean? They're just like, yeah, we'll scribble their name on the paper. Um, I just felt that day, you know, when he was standing getting the photo with my son and that, like, he, I could have took 20 photos. He was just happy, chatting away. Same after the cup final, you know, we'd just been beat. Um, 
but he just gave his opinion. It didn't he didn't feel like he was trying to rush, you know, rushing you and just to get rid of you or whatever. So uh, he just went up in my estimation. So he did. They say never meet your heroes, but that was a uh, that wasn't the case with Walter. I think it's just a, a great man, and uh, just what I said. I haven't heard any any negative words about him, and I, I think he'll the memory of him will live forever. He'll always be known as one of the best Scottish managers. I mean, we we still talk about Bill Struth, um, which I'd, I'd never ever witnessed any any of his teams, but um, obviously I came through the Walter Smith period, and. Uh, Although I was abroad at the time, but um, he was just just a great man, a great manager, and man, even at Manchester United under under Ferguson, he, he, he was loved there as well. So I mean, he's been loved everywhere he's went, and his memory will go on forever. It will, and you know, if you think about the absolute Rangers icons, and you know, so many so many people would would say if you were to ask them. Who's like? Who do you think of as a Rangers manager? It's going to be Walter Smith, and you know it's it, football is kind of moving away. Like world football is kind of moving away from that overarching father figure. But even long after Walter Smith um, retired for football management, we still see him as that father figure, and uh, I think it was a fitting t- tribute and. Echo what both of you said. Just the man, uh, just a great man. More than anything. See, um, well, I've actually shot chatting about him, but just loved him so much. Yeah, uh, remember doing a there was a Rangers quiz, and I think one of the questions were along the lines of, "Can you name the last six Rangers managers or whatever?" The first one popped in my head was Walter Smith, and I couldn't think of the other five because I just kept thinking Walter Smith, Walter Smith, Walter Smith, Walter Smith. So I got one out of the five. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's uh, just sums up my point there. I say Rangers uh, manager, you say Walter Smith. So, gents, I think that's as good a time as any to wrap up for tonight. Um, Thank you for everybody who's listened. We'll be back next week where all the news that will come out through the transfer silly season um, will be... I can't wait for the proper ridiculous rumours like, I don't know, Messi's coming on for a three-month phone deal and Brandon Barker's going the other way. Uh, No doubt the Sun or the record will come up with some nonsense to that. But before we go... Massive thank you to my, my two guests. A solid debut for both of them. First of all, Stevie, an absolute pleasure to have you on. Thanks very much. Thanks for having me. And Davey, thank you for joining all the way from sunny Germany. <laughs> You've never seen the snow and the rain today. <laughs> well, yeah, thanks for having me on. It was uh, really nice uh, to talk about Rangers and uh your your podcast, uh, I, I, to be honest with you, I only heard of it about a month ago, So, it's, and I've listened to it since, and really enjoy it. You've got some good podders on it. Thanks very much. And, you know, if you give this a listen back tomorrow, then we've got at least one listen in Germany, and I'll take that for the new year. Um, <laughs> all that's left to do is thank all the listeners as always. Stay safe and take care, and P.S. We are the people. <laughs>